Before we dive into today's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that this content is intended for general purposes only and should not be used to substitute professional medical advice. Always seek the advice of your medical service practitioner based on your unique needs. Hi, this is Kelly, your nutritional nerd, bringing you the health news you want to hear for the week of May 27th, 2021. This week, it's all about mental health. Why? Because May is the month for mental health awareness. And what I would like to discuss with you today are which neurotransmitters are related to mental health. First, a couple of statistics. Did you know that one out of every five Canadians experiences a mental illness or addiction problem every single year? Did you also know that by the time Canadians turn 40 years of age, half of them have or have had a mental illness? So look around. That means that either you or the person standing beside you has been, is, or will be affected by a mental health issue. Well, to discover more about the difference between mental health and mental illness, what mental illness can look like, and what natural things you can do that can help, be sure to check out our last blog on happyhuman.com. And as always, that's happy with an I. And in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month and our continued quest to shed additional light on the topic of mental health, this week we'd like to take a closer look at neurotransmitters, their effects on mood, and then natural things that might help. Now first of all, let's consider natural brain chemicals and your mood. Brain and mental health concerns affect a considerable number of people. But where does it stem from? Where does it all come from? Does it start or continue because of the way the brain and nervous system are working? Well, some of it is genetic, passed down from our families. Some of it is triggered by stress or traumatic life events. Many times it seems to be related to brain chemicals called neurotransmitters, and most likely it's a complex combination of each one of these plus other factors. So today we're talking neurotransmitters, specifically their roles in mental health for stress and mood. And then next blog, I'll fill you in on how to naturally boost these neurotransmitters and your mental health. Well, first, let's take a look at neurotransmitters. Our nerves are one of the main communication systems in our body. In fact, the entire nervous system, which includes our brain, spinal cord, nerve cells, and a few other vital cells, is sometimes called the master communication system of the body. But have you ever wondered how these cells communicate with each other and what this might have to do with mental health and brain health? This is where neurotransmitters come in. They're considered brain chemicals and they're made from proteins. Neurotransmitters do exactly that. They transmit information between nerve cells, neurotransmitters 
neurotransmitters. And in doing so, they help our neurons talk to each other. Well, nerve cells are called neurons, and our nervous system has other types of cells as well, but neurons are the ones that are most prevalent in our nervous system. In fact, we've got billions of neurons in our bodies, and about a hundred billion of them are in our brains. And there are billions more in our spinal cords and the rest of our bodies. Neurons relay messages from our brain and spinal cord, which is considered our central nervous system, or CNS, to everywhere in our bodies, all the way down to our big toes and all the way back again. In fact, all sensations, movements, thoughts, memories, and feelings are the result of signals that pass through neurons. This is why the research into neurotransmitters is so fundamental when it comes to brain and mental health. How do neurons or neurotransmitters work? Well, neurons use both electrical and chemical signals to transmit a message. A neuron is a nerve cell with a long tail-like end called a dendrite. When it receives a message, it sends the signal from one end of the tail all the way down to the other end of the cell via electricity. But it can't send its electrical signal through to its neighboring neuron. To send that message over, it communicates with its neighboring neuron using neurotransmitters. So here's how it works. Think of the game hot potato. I'm sure you've played this uh, when you were a kid, but hot potato. People are in a line or a circle beside each other. The first person gets the hot potato and needs to pass it to their neighbor. This has to continue as quickly as possible until the potato ends up in the right place. Now, in real life, a neuron gets a signal. Say you touch a hot pan with your finger. Now, let's consider this hot signal, the hot potato. Now, the neuron in your finger where you touch the hot pan receives the message and needs to quickly send it through the communication network all the way to the spinal cord or brain. It first sends the signal as an electrical signal through its tail all the way to the other end of the cell. Think of this as the first person holding the potato and turning toward their neighbor while still holding the potato. In your neurons, this is done electrically. So while the potato is in someone's hands, it's like the electrical signal going from one side to the other. But that one neuron doesn't reach all the way where the signal needs to go. It needs to get to your spinal cord or brain. So it has to relay that signal to its neighboring neuron. And here's where it passes the potato to the neighbor. The problem is it can't pass the electricity. So it has to change that signal into a chemical to get to the neighboring cell. And this is where neurotransmitters come in. The neurotransmitter goes through the tiny space, the synapse, between the two cells. When the neurotransmitter reaches the neighboring neuron, it attaches to a receptor. The receptor is the neighbor's hands that catch the hot potato. When that neurotransmitter gets to the second cell, it then changes the chemical signal back into an electrical one. This electrical chemical communication happens exceptionally quickly and continues over and over again until the message finally arrives at its destination. It travels from your fingertip 
up to your spinal cord or brain where a super quick decision is made. Then another signal, the response, gets sent back down to your finger, directing it to move the muscles to pull your finger away from the pain quickly. This is how our nervous system is the master communication system of the body. It's how our brain knows if it should be awake because of light filtering through your eyes, whether you're too hot and need to either sweat or cool down a different way, or whether you're in danger and need to fight or flee. Now there are three, there's lots of different neurotransmitters and every one of them has their own role to play. But there are three specific ones that are involved in stress and moods. The first key neurotransmitter um, related to mental health is serotonin. And I'm sure you've heard of this one. Serotonin is also known as 5-HT or 5-hydroxytryptamine. It has many roles in the nervous system. It's involved with maintaining our body temperature and is uh, transformed into melatonin to help us get sleepy when the light starts to dim. It's also important for our memory, our stress response, and for processing our emotions. Now, serotonin is made from one specific amino acid, which is one of the building blocks of protein, which is called tryptophan. Now, because of its role in mental health, many medications for depression target the serotonin that is produced in the brain. Now, some serotonin is made in the brain, but most of it is actually produced in the gut. And one of serotonin's roles in the gut is to help keep our, our food moving through it. This is called gastric motility. And researchers are looking into the roles of the serotonin produced in the gut. At this point, it's unclear whether the serotonin made in the gut uh, travels to or affects the brain. Our key neurotransmitter number two is called norepinephrine. This is for alertness and stress. Now, norepinephrine is a neurotransmitter released in the brain, and it's involved in the stress response. If you've heard of adrenaline and the adrenaline rush of being on a roller coaster or bungee jumping, you've heard of epinephrine. Now, epinephrine is another name for adrenaline. It's a massive part of our flight, fight, or freeze reaction. And this part of our nervous system that's activated when we're stressed and when we feel anxious results in a rapid release of norepinephrine in the brain. Norepinephrine is made from the very next neurotransmitter that we'll discuss, dopamine. And dopamine, I'm sure, is another one that you've heard of. And this is our third key neurotransmitter involved in mental health. The main drivers behind dopamine are motivation and behavior. So dopamine is the motivation molecule or motivation neurotransmitter. It helps us seek out rewards. Dopamine helps turn our enjoyment of a reward into the desire to go out and get that reward. In this way, it's thought that dopamine helps to shape our behavior. Some medications used to treat behavioral disorders work by changing how dopamine affects the brain. This motivation role of dopamine is also involved in our moods. 
For example, when dopamine levels are low, we can experience anhedonia, which is when we lose our motivation to seek out rewards or become unable to feel pleasure. Dopamine has other roles in the brain and nervous system communication too. It's important for working memory and mental flexibility. It helps us kind of go with the flow and move from one idea to the next. It also helps control our movement. And when certain parts of the brain don't receive enough dopamine, it can result in the muscular rigidity of Parkinson's disease. Now, dopamine is made from an, a specific amino acid called tyrosine. Neurotransmitters, all of these three work together as part of our stress response. Stress is anything that challenges our body's ability to maintain optimal health and have all of our systems balanced. Many people think that stress has to be an external force, but it doesn't. It, so these stressors or these challenges, anything that tries to set the body off balance goes for mental health, which is psychological stressors, as well as physical stressors like um, exercise or being too cold. These are stressors as well. Food also creates certain stresses in our system, and we'll talk about uh, that more next time. But our natural physical and mental reactions to stress are for our own survival. This is how our body wants to try to maintain balance or homeostasis. Psychological stress can trigger our brain to react to danger, and our fight, flight, or free, freeze response happens when we're scared because we're on a roller coaster, uh, when we almost get in a car accident, or when we're overworked and worried about our jobs. These are all examples of psychological stressors as they cause the same stress response in the brain and the body. Well, depression and anxiety are some of the most common mental health concerns in the world. Many people experience both, though women are more likely than men to be diagnosed. It's projected that over the next few years, depression will become the leading cause of disability in the United States. Depression involves a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest, emptiness, or irritable mood that can significantly affect someone's ability to function. Now, there are many times over the course of a person's life where we feel sad or down, or we just don't feel like doing anything at the, in the moment. That is not necessarily problematic. But it's when these persistent feelings affect our ability to function in every day that it can lead to a mental health concern like depression. With depression, sometimes we might experience sleep issues, a lack of energy, we may um, have changes in our appetite, like wanting to eat too much or not at all, and we may feel that anhedonia, that lack of motivation to seek out things that used to interest us or make us happy. Now, even though symptoms can differ from person to person, depression affects how someone feels, thinks, and behaves. 
So if you think you may have depression, anxiety, or other, any other brain or mental health concern, please see your licensed healthcare professional. You may also want to consult a neuronutritionist like me to help you figure out what to eat. Food can either act as the best medicine or the worst poison for your brain. The causes of depression seem to be very complex with many possible reasons that are unique to each individual. Genetics, hormones, stress, emotional loss, all of these things can contribute to the risk of depression. A lot of research has looked at the structure and function of the brain to understand how it controls moods and emotions. One of the most popular ideas that started in the 1950s relates to neurotransmitters, which is why we're talking about them today. The idea is that a deficiency in both the happy neurotransmitter serotonin and the stress neurotransmitter norepinephrine may be one reason for depression. But over the years, dopamine is starting to play, play into this concept of depression. Now, when it comes to serotonin, it's thought that not having enough serotonin in the right spots is one of the contributors. Because of its role in mood, many medications for depression target this neurotransmitter. Some newer medications also target norepinephrine and or dopamine. And some people can benefit from these medications, but others do not. To discover how to naturally boost levels of all three of these key neurotransmitters, be sure to tune in next time with our next blog as we discuss more of these ideas. Uh, in summary, neurotransmitters are key chemicals that our neurons use to communicate with each other. They're made from amino acids, which are protein, and are essential for optimal brain and mental health. So next time we'll dive into natural ways to boost these key three neurotransmitters. As always, I thank you for listening. I welcome your thoughts and value your feedback. Let me know what you think by dropping me a line or commenting on this podcast. And if you haven't already done so, please visit my website at happyhuman.com, happy with an I. Sign up for my newsletter so you will always be notified uh, whenever I put out a new blog or new information or educational component for you. And just one last word, uh, if you do think that you have any type of brain or mental illness, please see your licensed healthcare professional. And as always, you are more than welcome to contact me um, in order to see how I might be able to help you look at natural ways of improving your brain health and overall health. Thanks for listening. Stay well.